Well, good morning. It is wonderful to see you. And for those of you who might be guests, we are Northridge Church, one church, but in four locations. And what many of you might not know is that we are now on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, live not just at Plymouth, but in Brighton. And so for all of you at Northridge Brighton at our new facility, we're so glad that you're there. And it's exciting to have you sharing in this. And, and here's the pressure. If I blow it here, I blow it there. That is just an awful thing. So a lot of pressure. You can be praying for me. But if you're a guest, welcome to Northridge Church. My, my life uh, was forever changed in another country. My life was forever changed in Ireland, the Emerald Isle. And it wasn't changed because I was in a different country or in Ireland, as beautiful it is, as it is. It was changed because of what happened while I was there. I was 18 years old, and I had the privilege of going there for three months, and I was with 30-some other young people. At 18, I was actually one of the older people on the team. And it was there that I started for the very, very first time ever spending time with God. We, we were on this outreach trip. We were there to build on an orphanage, in Southern Ireland and then to ride 10 speeds around Southern Ireland and share about Jesus with people who didn't know him and and our team leaders asked that we start spending time with God and so I did regularly every single day spending time opening God's word and reading it and praying and as a result for the first time in my life my relationship with God became profoundly real In fact, God himself, he who had seemed so distant and so remote and almost non-existent, started becoming profoundly real in my life. And and I have to tell you, I, I had heard people talking about this, you know, oh, God's real and I know him and all that stuff. And I, I had two opinions about these kind of people. Either they were crazy, right, needed some medicine, or they were exaggerating, oh, sure, You're saying it, you're supposed to say it, it makes you feel good to say it, but it's not true. And this is what happens to us when when people are talking about something we hadn't experienced. And that was far away from my experience. But here I was in Ireland, spending time with God on a daily basis, and he started becoming real. My relationship became real. It happened in my life. Well, When I started spending time with him, I started growing spiritually like I had never imagined possible. God started working in my life in powerful ways. God started working on my life in powerful ways. He started opening my eyes to things that I had never thought of, that I had never understood. He started giving me wisdom in my choices, in my decisions that I had never had before. He started helping me to understand my life and others' life and this world in ways I had never before. And he started directing my steps, leading me. And I know it sounds bizarre. I know some of you, like I did with others, are thinking, he needs some medicine, or he's exaggerating. But it really happened. He started opening doors for me and new opportunities for me. It was crazy. A great example of this is found in our team leaders. Now remember, I was 18 and one of the older ones on this team of 30-some young people. And so our leaders were ancient to us. They were like 24, 25 years old. And and our leaders were assigned to help us to find um, what we were supposed to be doing on the team. And as we were there in Ireland, they came and asked me. This was bizarre. It never happened before. They started asking me to give the spiritual talks to our team. Our team needed to hear from God and and be taught and instructed from the Bible. And and so they came and said, hey, Brad, why don't you open the Bible and start giving spiritual talks to the team? Ah, And I started doing that. And then they said, you know, God's working through that. And so they said, why don't you start giving the spiritual talks when we visit churches? Because along the way, on the weekend, we would go to churches. I mean, like Roman Catholic churches, other kind of churches in Southern Ireland. And, and, and they said, so when we sing, then you step forward and you give the spiritual talk. And I'm, I, you got to be kidding me. I've always wanted to talk in church. 
Can't wait to share what I have to think, you know? I'm surprised. If they had any more wisdom besides 24 years, these leaders would have never asked me to do it, but I, I started doing it. And then, because we were riding around uh, 10 speeds all through Southern Ireland, Dublin area in particular, we would go into parks, and as a group, we would sing and do different things, and crowds of hundreds of people would gather around us, and then they asked me if I would, there in the public square, be the one that would step out and start giving these spiritual talks to these people who didn't know Jesus at all. And, and it was an amazing opportunity, and I had never done anything like that ever in my life. Now, just think about this. It was in Ireland where I started spending time with God on a daily basis that God started opening the door to me to that which he had made me for. It was there when I started spending time with God on a regular basis that that he literally started opening the door and giving me opportunities to, to find what he had called me to do for my entire life. Just think about this. Where I am right now, speaking to thousands and thousands of you uh, from, from God's word, I only found my way to here by spending time with God there those many years ago in Ireland. And for me, that's crazy stuff. Spending time with God has defined my life. Spending time with God has transformed my life. If I hadn't spent time with God, I would have missed everything he had for me. And what's sad to me is that the majority of people here, the majority of people in the world are missing what God has for them because they don't spend time with God. That's the common denominator of most people's lives. For my entire spiritual journey, it's worked exactly the same way that I discovered it in Ireland. When I've regularly spent time with God, opening his word and seeking to have a conversation with him through prayer, he's been real to me. He's opened my eyes to wisdom I don't have on my own. He's helped to lead me through doors and to opportunities and to making choices that, that would help him to do what he wants to do through and in my life. I've experienced him when I've spent time with him, but the opposite is also true. Because I don't want to give you the impression that I've always spent consistent time with God. There have been seasons when I haven't spent consistent time with God. There have been seasons when I've opened the Bible, but I wasn't really interested in knowing what he was going to say. I just read it, checked it off my to-do list, and went on. But there have been other times when I didn't open it at all. And in those times, he became less real to me. In those times, I didn't have what I needed from him. I didn't have his wisdom. In those times, quite frankly, I had to fend for myself, do it my own way to the best I could, and it usually wasn't very good. And in those days, it was like he didn't exist at all. When you don't spend time with someone, it's like they're not there at all. And that's how it is with God. Here's the deal that I want you to be aware of. If we don't spend time with God, we're going to miss him. If, if we don't spend time with God... We're not going to recognize him. And it's happened to me. When I don't spend time with God, I don't recognize that he's speaking, even though he's speaking, because I don't take the time to hear, to listen. When I don't spend time with God, I don't recognize that he's working. And the majority of people I ever talk to say, oh, well, God's not working in my life. God's not working around me. And it's, it's not true. God is always working. The problem is when we don't spend time with him, we don't recognize that he's working. We don't recognize that he's sharing wisdom. We don't recognize that he's encouraging us. We don't recognize that he's calling us. We don't recognize that he loves us because, well, we're not spending time with him. If we don't spend time with God, we're going to, we're going to miss what we so desperately need most in this world, God himself. Think about it. If we don't spend time with God, we won't hear from him. Spending time with God is essential for each and every one of us, and this kind of gets us back into our book of Mark, because the same was true of Jesus. And the passage that we're coming to now at the end of chapter 1, and we're spending a lot of time in the first chapter of Mark, because it forms the foundation for everything else we'll experience. But look at what happened to Jesus in verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, some of you didn't even know it was dark in the morning. 
Did you? Uh, you kind of sleep in and all that. But very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house that he was staying in, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed, where he spent time with God. Simon and his companions went to look for him. They woke up. He wasn't there. So they went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Hey, everyone's looking for you. Man, everybody's got an agenda for you. They're coming in as multitudes. And we've led the parade here. We're interrupting your solitude right now. Jesus responded this way. Let's go somewhere else. I'm not going to stay here with these people. I'm going to go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can proclaim truth there also. That's why I've come. Not for just a certain group of people, but for all people. So he traveled throughout Galilee preaching in their synagogues, displaying God's power, driving out evil. Now this wonderful passage in Mark reveals what I've experienced on my own spiritual journey. There's a reason most people don't spend time with God. There's a reason that I go through seasons where I don't. There's a reason, and here's the reason. Spending time with God, as easy as it sounds, is not so easy. It's really it's, it shouldn't be. In theory, it seems pretty easy. Open the Bible, say a couple of words, that kind of thing. I'm telling you, it's not easy. It never is, because life's not easy. It's not prepackaged. All you have to do is look at Jesus' experience here in Mark chapter 1. Look at the context. Jesus had been pouring himself out from morning till night, day after day after day, literally pouring his soul into people and pouring his soul out for people. And he was exhausted. His day had, the day before had gone way late into the night and he was healing people and working in their lives, an exhausting experience. And the easy thing for Jesus to do on this particular day in Mark chapter 1 would have been to hit the snooze button on his iPhone, roll over and keep sleeping. Jesus is a friend of mine. I know he'd never lower himself to using an Android. So it'd have to be the iPhone. But the easy thing would have been to to keep sleeping. But he didn't do that. Having not gone to bed until late, after an exhausting day of ministry, he got up very, very, very early while it was still dark, before anyone else was up. We know this because when they did wake up, they found him missing and they went on the search for him. So before anyone else was up, he got up. And the question is, why did he do it? For one reason and one reason alone, to spend time with God. It's not easy. Wasn't for him, won't be for us. But it's worth it. It's essential. I also find here in Mark chapter 1 that not only is spending time with God as essential and important as it is to our lives not easy, but there's, there's really never the time. Have you noticed that? I mean, I know we all have 24 hours in a day, but man, our days fill up fast, don't they? And it doesn't matter who we are, what our responsibilities are. I mean, everybody says the same thing. I just don't have time. Look, my mom is in her early 80s, She's in her early 80s. She lives in Bonita Springs, Florida. And she, you know, my dad's been gone for a long time and they work together. She's been retired for a very, very long time. And every time I talk to her, she says, oh my gosh, I'm so busy. Mom, what are you doing? Smacking mosquitoes? I mean, seriously, you have nothing to do down there. Oh my God, I just have no time. None of us have any time, which makes spending time with God as important as it is difficult, right? There's just not time. Jesus had no time. Let me prove this to you. Just heal one person and see if you have any time for yourself anymore. Just walk into a hospital, into the cancer ward, or into, you know, uh, the, the, the intensive care, and heal someone. I promise you this, you'll not have a second to yourself the rest of your life. And that's where Jesus was. He had no time whatsoever. And yet, you know what he did? He still spent time with God how did he do it well Jesus had to make time now he's the creator but he didn't like add a 25th hour you know how you make time you know how you make time by eliminating other stuff that's taking your time and since he wasn't going to eliminate people in this particular case what he did was he eliminated sleep he got up very 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 early He clearly believed that spending time with God was more important than sleep. Obviously, he didn't read 21st century sleep studies. Because if he had, he'd know. If you go with less than seven hours, you're going to die young. 
And so he gave up sleep to make time to spend with God. Why? Because he believed, now listen, he believed that spending time with God was more important than sleep. And that's how he made his time. And now, there are most areas of my life don't match up well with Jesus, but this area matches up pretty well. I, I hate sleep. Hate it. I, sleep is the biggest waste of time. My wife wants me to sleep more so that I'll live longer. Why does she want me to live longer? You know, I was crazy, but, but she does. And, and, but I hate sleep. My, here's my view of sleep. We're going to be dead a long time. Why should we practice so much now while we're living? I don't even understand it. How do you like spend most of your life like this? Jesus gave up sleep to spend time with God because it was that essential, but it's not easy. In Mark chapter 1, you know what I find that spending time with God, as Jesus illustrates, doesn't just happen. I know a lot of people say, I'd spend time with God if he just showed up, you know, pulled up a seed. If it, just ha- it doesn't happen that way. Because here's the fact. He always shows up. He's waiting for us to show up. For us to spend time with God, it's not going to just happen. We have to get intentional about it. We have to get strategic about it. He did that in Mark 1. He literally, the passage says, he got up. He found, and some of us haven't realized this yet, he found that in order to spend time with God, you have to get up. Some of you, go, you wake up in the morning, oh God, I'm going to spend... And so he had to get up. And then he found he had to leave the house. Very intentional, very strategic, because he found when he stayed in the house... People bugged him. And in the, in the passage, the first thing that happened when the disciples woke up, they started looking for him so they could bug him some more, right? And so he had to leave the house and go to a solitary place. It gave him a little time for a break. Spending time with God doesn't just happen. Stop waiting. Get up. Go to a place where you can spend time with God. But spending time with God, as essential as it is, is, it's not easy. There's never any time. And we have to be intentional. It doesn't just happen. But one other thing I see in this passage, and I think you'll agree with this. There's always something else or someone else screaming for our attention. Isn't that true? I mean, the disciples were screaming for his attention. Everybody around him was screaming for his attention. There's always something. I have found that something or someone is always screaming for my attention. And so I have to make a decision. Am I going to spend time with God or am I going to go with the screams? And yet Jesus, even with all the obstacles, even as difficult as it was, Jesus spent time with God, not once in a while. He spent time with God every single day of his life. Why did he do it? It's simple. Now listen, it's simple. And it's in the Bible for a reason. Jesus, though he was the son of God, Jesus, though he was the creator of the world, when he took on flesh, when he decided to take this human journey with us, He knew he couldn't live without God. He couldn't do it. You see, he came to live the story we failed to live. He came to live the life that we failed to live. And the only way he could live the story, God's story, the right way, a life of perfection, was by spending time with God. He couldn't live without time with God. He needed to hear God's voice. He needed to get God's direction. He needed to experience God's encouragement and pleasure and love and instruction and promises and help and power. In fact, I'll encourage you, look up a verse this week. John chapter 8, verse 28. You know what Jesus says in that verse? He says that every single word I speak comes directly from the Father. How did he get those words? By spending time with the Father. And what happened in our text when the disciples came and they brought the parade of people who wanted to spend time with Jesus? What happened? All of a sudden, Jesus had his walking papers. He says, you know what? God's told me we're not going to stay here today. I'm supposed to go to other villages. I'm supposed to share the good news with them. I'm supposed to leave this place and go elsewhere. And that's why I've come. And so that's what we're going to do. And that's what he did. Where did he figure that out? By spending time with God. The same thing I experienced in Ireland where God started saying, you know what you're going to do today? Something you've never done today. You're going to stand up in front of people and give a talk. And then he also included without cussing. You know, I mean... Because I, you know, was kind of on a growth thing at the time. And, 
And he still says that to me, by the way. I don't listen always, as some of you know. But bottom line is, he, he got his walking papers from God. Now, here's what blows me away and why this passage is one that I had to stop on and give, even though we have a limited time in the book of Mark. It's because what we see Jesus experiencing in this wonderful passage of Mark is something he told us he was going to do hundreds of years before through the prophet Isaiah. Nearly 700 years before he took on flesh and started this human experience and was spending time with God, he told us, he prophesied, he told us ahead of time that he was going to every single morning spend time with God the Father. That blows me away. Now, just so you can not pass over the hundreds of years thing, I have a question for you. How many hundreds of years ago, do it in centuries, don't do it in individual years. How many centuries ago was George Washington our president? You are Americans, you don't know anything. Isn't that right? Uh, Brighton, seriously, not one person in Plymouth answered. I bet all of you knew because you're Michigan State fans, not the University of Michigan fans. Is that right? There you go. Ooh, he just put down the hammer. Okay, here's the thing. It was over 200 years ago that George Washington lived. So almost three times that, maybe a little more. Jesus said this in Isaiah chapter 50, verses 4 through 7. The sovereign Lord, that's speaking about God the Father, has given me, he's, this is about Jesus. This is Jesus talking before he took on flesh and was born of the Virgin Mary. The sovereign Lord has given me, Messiah, Jesus, an instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He, he wakens me, God the Father wakens me, Messiah, Jesus Christ, morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being taught. The sovereign Lord, God the Father, has opened my ears. And you know what? He's told me what to do, where to go. He's guided me, and I've not been rebellious. I've not drawn back. I've not said no. Instead, I've done not my kingdom but his, not my will but his. I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard, and I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. Jesus is telling us part of what his life would be like when he came to suffer and die for us. And then he says, because the sovereign Lord, God the Father, helps me, I won't fail, I won't be disgraced, I won't be put to shame. I have resolve and strength because the Father helps me. Nearly 700 years before Jesus walked on this planet, he told us that he would be spending time with God on a daily basis and it was the only way he'd be able to fulfill his mission. Jesus spent time with the Father because he desperately needed the Father in order to fulfill his mission and stay close. And here's what you need to know. The same is true for you. If Jesus needed the Father on a daily basis to live out his journey, to not be disgraced, to not be ashamed, to fulfill his mission, how much do you think we need the Father? to live out our mission, to experience our life, and yet most of us are failing, most of us aren't experiencing it. Why? Because we're not spending time with the Father. Spending time with God is essential in our lives. If we don't spend time with God, he can't instruct us. No wonder we don't know what we need to know. He can't guide us. No wonder we don't go or get to where we want to go. No, he can't empower us. No wonder we don't have the power we need to live the life. He can't help us. No wonder we're failing so much. He can't use us. No wonder we're looking for meaning and significance but not finding it. But here's what you need to know. I'm not making light. Spending time with God is not easy. We've already gone through that. It wasn't easy for Jesus. So what we have to do is we have to learn from him how we can do it even though it's difficult and there's something always screaming for our attention. And we learn this in Isaiah chapter 50. He tells us how he got it done. In that passage, we find from Jesus that spending time with God demands making it a priority. We have to schedule it. I mean, look, this is how serious he was about this. He scheduled his appointment Every morning with God, 700 years before he needed it. 
I don't even think my Outlook program goes that far into the future, right? How serious do you have to take something if you're scheduling it 700 years before? Just so you know, I've scheduled a table at Heaven's Best Restaurant for 700 years from now. I can't wait to be there. None of you are invited. Okay, so here, this is what he was doing. Why? You have to ask yourself a question when you get to Mark 1, 35 through 39. Why after such a long and exhausting day when everyone else was still sleeping, did Jesus get up long before the sun just to spend time with God? Because he scheduled it. And we do what we schedule. He scheduled it because it was a priority. The only way we're going to be faithful to spending time with God is if we make it a priority and we schedule it. Do you you know why you show up at work most days? It's scheduled. Do you know why you show up? And it's a priority, of course, for you. Do do you know why you show up at your doctor's office? You know, scheduled. Do, Do you know why you show up to pick up the bonus check? Scheduled. Priority. And yet... And I'm not being mean and I'm not being condemning and I'm not being judgmental and it often happens to me as well. The vast majority of us right now here in Plymouth, in Brighton, or those of you watching online, did not spend time with God much this last week because it wasn't scheduled. That which we need most, we missed because it's not a big enough priority to schedule. And I have to tell you, this is true with me. If I don't schedule my time with God, make it a priority in my schedule early on in my day, I don't spend time with God. My day gets away from me because I have a weird personality and I build off momentum. It's like I get involved in something, I start going, and I have a lot of things screaming at my attention, you know, for my attention, a lot of people screaming for my attention. And if if I don't schedule God early and first, I don't spend time with God. Isn't the same thing probably true for you? In Isaiah chapter 50, we learn that as difficult as it is, it was so essential in the life of Jesus that that he did it. But how did he do it? Well, not only did he see it as a priority that he needed to schedule, but he also made it very personal and purposeful. His time with God was personal and purposeful. I mean, in Isaiah 50, we see him saying very personal and purposeful things. He says, you know, I, I, I get wakened every morning to spend time with God because he instructs my tongue. He gives me a word to speak that will encourage and lift up the weary. Have you ever known a teacher that, like Jesus, always had the perfect thing to say at the perfect moment to the perfect person? There's never been a teacher like that Jesus the Sermon on the Mount the greatest talk ever given in the history of the world how, how did he know exactly what needed to be say, said so that humanity could be so impacted because he spent time with the Father he also said he says look at God's directed me And I'm not pulling back, I'm not rebelling, I'm fulfilling my mission, and though his will is very, very difficult for me, I am going to go through it because that's how the world will experience God's love and redemption. And I'm not going to be disgraced and I won't be put to shame because God's going to help me, God's going to empower me, and I'm going to obey him. I mean, and it came through time with God. He made it personal. God wakens me morning by morning, he instructs me, he talks to me, he helps me. It's very personal and very purposeful, he needs it. For Jesus, time with God, this is so important. For Jesus, time with God wasn't a duty to be performed. It was a privilege to be enjoyed. What he wanted more than anything else was to spend time with the Father. It wasn't something that he saw as a ritual that he had to do because he was religious. It was something that was very relational. He wanted to spend time with his Father It wasn't something that he had to do. It was something that he desperately needed. He needed to hear from God and experience him. And can I just say the same is true for us? Do you know why many of us don't spend time with God? Because it's something we have to do. 
Oh, you know, I grew up religious. They told me I had to read the Bible. You know, when someone tells me I have to do something, what I do, I immediately say, I'm not doing it. I'm just like rebellion. I just said, don't tell me what I have to do. But you know, I get to spend time with God. It's a very different thing. It's a privilege. I need it. It makes my life. That's where Jesus was. And there's nothing you need more. And here's what it looks like when someone knows how much they personally and purposefully need God. Look at David in Psalm 63, verse 1. This is a human being like us. It's not the Son of God in human form. It's, it's David. Psalm 63, 1. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. He just had to be with God. And that's where Jesus was. He just had to be with God. Let me ask you a question. Where are you? If you had to be with God, like you had to drink water, wouldn't you have maybe spent some time with him this week? Your life would be very different. Finally, from Isaiah 50, I, I learned from Jesus that spending time with God demands more than making it a priority and scheduling it, more than making it personal and purposeful so that there's great benefit to it, but, but it also demands making it, and are you ready for this? Permanent. Permanent. And here, this is important. It needs to be a permanent part of our lives. Huh. Let's say you eat lunch today. Awesome. So is that good for the rest of the month? No, see, you've got to then eat dinner, and then you've got to eat breakfast, and then you've got to eat lunch, and you, every day, because one source of nourishment isn't good for the rest of your life. And yet most people kind of feed on God minimally, spend time with God. In fact, for the vast majority of people, I'm just being honest, no judgment, the only spiritual nourishment you get is when you come to church. And by the way, I'm thrilled that you're here. I hope it encourages you and helps you. It's not enough to eat once a week. Do you know how many hours there are in a week? 168. And if you only come here for an hour and then I only speak for, well, I'm supposed to speak for 40 minutes, but let's say 55, you know, that kind of deal. Uh, It's not much of your week. And so you need to make spending time with God a permanent part of your life. And I have to tell you, this is hard for me because I am the greatest starter in the history of the world. I can start a diet better than anybody. And I can start exercising better than anyone. And I can start being disciplined in my study. But I mean, I, I'm unbelievable. I can start loving people really well. My problem is on finishing, you know? Because what happens is I go on a diet after every big meal I ever eat. It's just the next time I get hungry, I'm off the diet all of a sudden. If we're going to benefit from spending time with God, we have to make it a permanent part of our lives because we desperately need God today, not just yesterday. I have found that I desperately need God now, just like I did a decade ago and two decades ago. I need him every day, and we can't let anything get in our way. Jesus didn't. Do you know Jesus spent time with God every day and every moment of his life defined by time with God. No wonder he made such good choices. I I find there are two moments in my life that are the most difficult for me to spend time with God. Two. The the first, the best moments. You know what happened? The best moments, great moments, it's hard to spend time with God because I'm a little too busy celebrating. Any of you relate to this? Life's too good right now. I'll go to God later. And yet Jesus spent time with God during the best moments. In fact, look at Mark 6, 46. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Now, I know that doesn't sound like much, but after leaving them is important. After leaving who? He had just performed the miracle of the feeding of 5,000. It was really probably more like 15,000 because it says 5,000 men. So you add families and all that stuff. It was probably a lot more than that. But he took some loaves of bread and a couple of fish and he fed 5,000 plus people. That's cool. I'm going to tell you right now, everybody wanted to come up to him and say, you the man, you the man. 
And I'm gonna, if I ever performed a miracle like this, I'm going to have blisters on my hand. I am the man. I'm the man. I'm the man. I'm the man. I'm the man. In fact, I'm not leaving probably for two, three years until the last person kisses my feet because I'm going to celebrate the moment. But you know what Jesus did? He left and spent time with God. Why? Because he knew having people tell him he was the man could lead him to a place where he makes the wrong choice. And so he left that moment and spent time with God. We have a lot of moments where we blow it because we don't spend time with God, right? Another moment I have a really hard time with, I mean a really hard time with spending time with God, uh, is the worst moment or moments of my life. And a lot of people go, oh no, man, bad moments. That's easy to go to God because we need him so much. I don't know. The worst moments of my life, it's hard for me to spend time with God because... I'm not so happy with him in the worst moments of my life, to be honest. And I'm not trying to be blasphemous. I'm just trying to be honest. You know, when my life's not going great, I've got a significant amount of human disappointment in God. It's not called for. It's not right. It's not accurate. It's not his fault. But I do. And so it's really hard for me wanting to belly up the table and start spending time with him. But look what Jesus did in Mark 14, 32. He's facing the kiss of betrayal of Judas and the unbelievable beating he'd taken, the, the cross, and he's going to endure all of our sin and God the Father turning his back on him. And in Mark 14, 32, it says, they went to a place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He spent time with God in the worst moments of his life. Why? Because... He couldn't face the best moments or the worst moments or any other moment in between without the Father. And what was true for him is true for us. And yet, what do we do? We try and face all these moments without God. No wonder we live such pitifully empty and poor moments. It's because God's not in it. Along the way, the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, to spend time with God. And Jesus said what we now know as the Lord's Prayer. And he said, here's how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then he said these words. Give us this day our, what's the next word? Yeah, isn't it interesting? God only supplies what we need in his instruction, in his leading, in his guiding daily which is why so many of us live so many days without recognizing his provision. We don't even think he's working. There is nothing more essential in life than spending time with God. Nothing. And yet we put everything ahead of it. And so this weekend, from the book of Mark, from the life of Jesus, I want to encourage you to change your life and you change your life by making the choice to spend time with God and in light of this we've put together a scene so that I can ask you a question that might get you to where you'll spend more time with God and the question is simply this where's your chair where's the place where you meet with God. I'm not talking about the place where you once met with God. I'm talking about where's the place where you consistently meet with God? Where's the place where you sit down and you open his word and you start having a conversation with him, experiencing him, recognizing him? Where's the place where you open up yourself for God to speak, to touch, to encourage, to direct, to help, to empower, to use. Where's that place? Now for Jesus, his chair, it was often in a very unusual place. It was often on a mountainside. It was sometimes, and I really like this about him, in a boat. I'm a water guy. And sometimes he found his solitary place in a boat. And, and often as we read in the book of Mark even, he, he spent time with God in a garden. But here's what you need to know. He had a place. 
He had a chair. He knew where it was, and he didn't miss it. Where's your chair? Now, in Ireland, my chair was outside the orphanage that we were constructing and um, kind of refurbishing, and it was overlooking one of the beautiful emerald hills of Ireland. Seriously, a beautiful green hill. And on top of the hill was this misshapen tree it was just gorgeous it sat in isolation alone and I kept looking at the tree I was alone next to this orphanage spending time with God that tree was alone up there and there was kind of a connection forge but I'll never forget the visual because it was there that I started experiencing God for the first time in a very real way and you don't forget the place where you start experiencing God these days, my, my chair tends to be the favorite place for me to sit in our house. Um, and it's, I need to tell you, it's weird. It's not the most comfortable chair. It's not the best positioned chair. It doesn't have the best view uh, out the windows of our house. It's, it's the side of our sofa, the side thing. It's a little table where I can put my coffee cup. And, and I think the reason it's my favorite chair is because it's the place that I've experienced God the most profoundly in our home. And whatever we're doing, I really like being in that chair. What I think about is, if I didn't have a chair where I spent time with God over the course of my life, my life would be very different. I would have missed him. I would have not recognized his leading and his working and Everything I value right now, whether it's the relationships I've chosen to be in or it's this unbelievable family, spiritual family called Northridge I get to be a part of, every single part of my life that has any value comes from the fact that because I spent time with God, God opened the door, God led me there, God gave me the, gave me the wisdom to make the choice to say the right words. I can't imagine my life without the chair. And yet, there are still days and seasons when I... Don't make the chair a priority. Spending time with God isn't a priority. And you know what happens? Still to this day, after all these years, I start missing God. I stop recognizing him. I stop hearing his voice. And my life takes a very different trajectory. In fact, here's what I know from experience. When I don't make the chair a part of my life, you suffer. Because my leadership and my teaching becomes far less than it's supposed to be. I start fending for myself and working hard to do the best I can do, but it's never good enough for what I'm supposed to be as a pastor and a person of God, and, and so you suffer. My family suffers because when I'm experiencing his love, I become more loving, but without him, I'm a pretty intense human being. When I'm not experiencing him in my life, I suffer. Here's my question. Since the same is true for you, where's your chair? It doesn't matter geographically where it is. It doesn't matter whether it's a cheap chair or an expensive chair. It matters that you have the chair because the most important thing you could ever do in your life is spend time with God. And so... This weekend, I'm going to challenge you to start. I, I'm not going to challenge you big. I'm not going to say, you should spend an hour with God. I, I'm going to challenge you small. But I would rather have you start small and go somewhere with it than not start at all. Make sense? And so I, I want to challenge you starting this weekend to... Take 10 or 15 minutes in your day. Make 10 or 15 minutes in your day. Somehow make it. And think about what that is. It's about 1% of, of your day. Do you know how many minutes there are in a day? We have engineers here. I know you know. It is 1,440. 1,440 minutes every day. So if you take 10 to 15, it's right around 1% of your day. That's not tough. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. First of all, find your chair. Find that place. That's going to be my place. That's going to be my place. Find your chair. And then, get a cup of coffee. I mean, 
This is a very important part of spending time with God because being awake is important. For those of you who aren't quite yet adults, you could use juice or water or chocolate milk, losers. But, I mean, <laughs> choose your chair, get a cup of coffee, and then pick up the Bible. Pick it up and open it. And you might say, I, I don't know... I don't know where to read. I, look, when I was in Ireland, I had no clue where to read. I had no clue. And so I asked someone, and they gave me a suggestion, and I did it. And so I'm going to give you a suggestion. And it's, I don't know where this comes from, but it's an idea. You could start with the book of Mark. <laughs> Since it's the series I'm in, you can read ahead, check up on me, whatever. And so you could start there. Just 10 to 15 minutes. And here's what you'd do. You'd just start with a little prayer. And you go, I don't know how to pray. I had no clue how to talk to God. So you know what I did? I just said, hey, God, I'm, uh, they tell me this is your word to me. And if I'm going to open it, then I, I'm going to need you to help me to understand it. Help me to get something from this. And then I started reading a little bit. And I, I want to encourage you, don't try and read a lot. Don't, they have chapters and stuff, but you don't have to read a chapter. I know they have verses, but you don't have to read so many verses. Just read, not for quantity, but for quality. I mean, he wants you to hear him speak. He wants you to spend time personally with him. A good example, this is his love letter to you. Do you know that? He wants you to know he loves you. It's his love letter to you, written specifically to you. And, and I have a great example of this in my life. When, when my wife and I were dating, uh, I had to travel for ministry for three months straight and couldn't see her. And, you know, when you're dating, that's tough. Now she says she doesn't even care. But then it was a big deal. And, and she wrote me every single day, every day, every day. And the highlight of my day every day was getting that letter. You know, she loves me. She loves me. She loves me. And I didn't just do a quick read. I read every single word laboriously. I mean, I went through it. And I didn't just read it once. I read that letter time and time and time and time again until the next one was delivered. It was a love letter. I could quote what she said to me. And I still do remind her what she said to me. <laughs> God's book is a love letter to you that you should spend time reading just those small moments, get something from it. And then what you should do when he speaks is you should write it down. I call it journaling, but it's just, just write it down. God, you know, said this, or I'm thinking this. And then you can make that the focus of your prayer and your activity that day until God speaks again the next day and you do it again. And then you close with just a little prayer. Just God, help me to walk like Jesus walked in your truth. And here's what I can promise you. If you will consistently read this book, listen, it will change your life. Because the more you seek him, the more you'll experience exactly what you need the most, the more you'll find him. The more... I seek his face, the more I find him. One of the questions I probably get asked the most is, how come God doesn't show up in my life? It's the wrong question. Because he does show up in your life. He's already spoken. The question is, why aren't you showing up to spend time with him? And it's not easy, and there's never enough time, and it doesn't just happen. There's always something screaming for your attention. But look at nothing's more important than hearing from God. He's written you the love letter. Make it a priority. Schedule it. Make it personal. Make it purposeful. I mean, hear from him. Make that what it's about. Not some kind of duty, but a privilege. And make it permanent. Do it every day. This is what defined Jesus' ministry and why it was so profoundly impacting. The only thing that's ever given me any kind of chance of making a difference in this world, of experiencing God, is that I started spending time with him. And spending time with him will change your life. Make the choice. Now, I'm going to pray to close this service, but 
I believe God's been speaking into some of your lives and some of you in very powerful ways. And you're just not ready to be done yet. We get that. I know what that's like. And so we have a team of people who would love to have a more personal spiritual conversation with you if you'd like to have that. Or maybe you want to pray with someone or have someone pray for you. And so when I finish my prayer, all you have to do is, as everyone else is leaving the auditorium, all you have to do is you just come forward. And you can just sit in these chairs down front. And this team will come and sit with you and in a very non-threatening way spend time with you, do spiritual ministry in your life. Others of you say, well, I don't really need that, but I do have some spiritual questions or I'd like to go further. Well, in the program we gave you is a connection card. You just rip that out, fill it out, and there are boxes as you leave and throw it in there and we'd love to answer those questions. It'd be our privilege. But our hope is that when you leave here, the one thing that changes in your life is who you spend time with and that you spend time with him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you that you, the God of the universe, want to spend time with us. Help us to get to the place where we want to and make the choice to and actually experience you during time of our day. As we spend time with you, change us, God. Help us to hear you. Direct us. And when we experience you, may we share it with others. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for coming. Have a great week.